Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. When we come into the family of God, God is wanting us to grow and serve and make a difference in the world that we live. We are here to serve the Lord. When we allow God to use people in our lives, we will be more and do more than we could ever be or do by ourselves. Now, some people, they sit back and say, I don't want to learn. You know, I'm not willing to learn. I know it all. In today's message, Pastor Ed challenges us in our walk. He says we shouldn't be content with yesterday's experience with God. And there should be a yearning in our hearts to grow in the Lord and not to remain stagnant. Pastor Ed teaches that it might surprise you to learn that God places others in your community of believers that will encourage you. Men and women who will speak life into your walk, strengthen you and build you up. You might not like his choice, but remember God knows you and he knows exactly who and what you need. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 19 with part one of his message entitled, Timothy, an example of Christ-likeness. In Philippians, the second chapter, Philippians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle is going to expand this thought in those earlier verses all through the second chapter. He's going to take the verses about the mind of Christ, the attitude of humility, expand it and explain it and illustrate it. And so as we look at Philippians chapter 2, Paul the Apostle says in those early verses, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then he illustrates through the life of Jesus. Now he illustrates in one of his associates, one of his co-workers, Timothy. In verse 19, he's going to illustrate the mind of Christ, the attitude of humility, someone who puts others before themselves. In verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Notice, I hope in the Lord Jesus. His trust that God would guide him in this. Just didn't make decisions, but he sought the Lord, sought God's guidance, and he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. Now, I want to just comment on that verse. What Paul is saying at this moment is that it's going to be a while before Timothy goes. Timothy's not quite uh, Paul's not quite sure how everything is going to work out for him in Rome, how uh, the trial will go. But he says, in a short time, I'm planning to send Timothy. Now, it takes about one to two months, generally speaking, to get from Rome to Philippi. And he's going to eventually send Timothy there so Paul could hear how the church has responded to the letter that he sent. He's going to send the letter first, and then a while later he's going to send Timothy to hear their response. Philippians, 
Again, chapter 2, verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with a father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will soon come. We're going to stop there. Now, Paul the Apostle is showing us through the life of Timothy how humility and how an attitude, a Christ-like attitude, works itself out in the body of Christ. The very first thing you have to notice about Paul the Apostle is Paul the Apostle is a good investor. He knows how to invest in people. Timothy was like a son to him, a spiritual son. But Paul could have never accomplished in Timothy's life what he did had not Timothy had the spirit that Timothy had. He had a submissive spirit. He was a servant at heart. In Philippians 2.20 it says, For have no one else of kindred spirit. I'm using the New American Standard there. Kindred spirit. Who will genuinely, genuinely be concerned for your welfare. But you know of his proven worth. He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. In New Testament times, children often followed their father into whatever field of work that they were involved in. Jesus was a carpenter. His father was a carpenter. Here, Paul is saying, Timothy is my spiritual son. And he's following me into the work of the Lord. But he says something else. Timothy is a kindred spirit. There's no one else like him. Timothy was shaped and molded by his relationship to Paul. Paul the apostle calls Timothy a, a co-laborer, a co-worker with him. And Timothy, throughout the journey, is wanting to learn from Paul, wanting to understand Paul the apostle's heart. And he was able to capture the spirit or that attitude that Paul had. Paul the Apostle had a certain way of dealing with churches, certain way of dealing with situations. He considered himself a servant, a slave. He was willing to sacrifice. And Timothy watched him. And he followed him. And he took on that same attitude, that same outlook. He could tell exactly how Paul would handle the situation. He knew how Paul thought. He knew how Paul reasoned. So when he saw Paul, he, he knew what Paul was going to do, and he was able to do the same thing. So Timothy really represented Paul in the various churches. In fact, Paul sent him to churches like Thessalonica, churches at Corinth, other places, to deal with problem situations because Timothy would reflect Paul's thinking. There should be a yearning in our hearts to grow in the Lord and not to stay stagnant. We shouldn't be content with yesterday or yesteryear's experience with God. 
Timothy, because he wanted to grow, submitted himself to the leadership of the Apostle Paul, and God was able to work through Paul to touch Timothy. How many know that God has people set up to strengthen and encourage and build you up in the body of Christ? See, God knows the journey, the end from the beginning. He knows all the way. Now, we can go through life and say, God, I don't like your choice. Now, Timothy was an introvert. Paul was an extrovert. Timothy was real quiet. Paul was really expressive. Do you think they didn't have some clashes at times? No, they did. But Timothy knew that Paul was brought into his life so that his life could be shaped. And Paul was thankful because he found in Timothy someone who he can pour into. When we come into the family of God, God is wanting us to grow and serve and make a difference in the world that we live. We are here to serve the Lord. When we allow God to use people in our lives, we will be more and do more than we could ever be or do by ourselves. Now, some people, they sit back and say, I don't want to learn. You know, I'm not willing to learn. I know it all. Ever have anybody in class like that? You know, they read it a little bit maybe in the introduction of the book and they think they know the book. (laughs) Or, Or they have a little bit of experience and they blow it up to a lot of experience. God calls us disciples. To be a disciple means you are a learner. You're in this process of learning and studying and growing. And that's what was happening in Timothy's life. Who has God used in your life? Now, he may use some saint of God that's gone on the heaven. You may read a biography of a, of a Christian man or woman who love the Lord and serve the Lord. And as you read about their life, you're touched by their prayer life or their sacrifice or their service. Or you may read their teachings. You know, I have some great teachings by Andrew Murray, one of the great classical Christian writers. All sorts of godly men God raised up so that they would influence the church all through the generations. And that's What God wants to do for you and for me. Uh, Listen, God has people, somebody who will impact you indirectly. They may not be here. They may be home in heaven. But read their writings, study their books, learn. They may be alive. I know one of the books that has impacted me greatly is Richard Foster's book. Never met Richard Foster personally. But spiritual disciplines has had an impact on my life. I've read that book I don't know how many times. And I'm planning next year to teach through that book again in one of the small groups. But there are those who God places in your life that are physically there. It may not just be a tape that you're listening to, a book that you're reading, a biography or a, or a movie that you've seen that deeply impacts you, but sometimes there are godly people that God just brings into your life and he uses them in your life. Now, sometimes they're there for a long time. Other times it's short seasons. And 
Sometimes one person brings one thing into your life and another person brings something else into your life. But in the whole process, God is molding and shaping and developing you. And see, Timothy became far more than he could ever be by himself. We would have never heard of Timothy had not he had a submissive spirit and allow Paul to speak into his life and shape him. Timothy would have been some man in history that none of us either knew or remembered, but because of his association with Paul, we have First and Second Timothy. We have him mentioned in the book of Acts and the other epistles as well. So God was using Timothy. He was using Timothy in Paul's life as well. God is concerned about our relationships. He's concerned about friendships. He wants us to establish relationships and have an influence upon one another. Ambrose, one of the church fathers, wrote this about friendship. He said, describing friends, friends never cheat each other or take advantage or lie. Friends do not spy on one another, yet they have no secrets. Friends glory in each other's successes and are downcast by the failures. Friends minister to each other, nurse each other. Friends give to each other, worry about each other, stand always ready to help. Perfect friendship is rarely ever achieved, but at its heights it is ecstasy. Be selective on the people you allow to speak into your life. You gotta run a race. You gotta finish the course. You have to be all that God wants you to be. So ask God in prayer, God, give me someone who will encourage me in my relationship with you. God, help me to be sensitive to what your spirit is doing so that, Lord, I can have that friendship where someone will help me to be and to do what you want me to be and to do. Don't think that just simply associations are always going to benefit you. Sometimes they won't. In fact, Paul the Apostle says, do not be misled. 1 Corinthians 15.33. Let me read that again. Do not be misled. What does that mean? Don't be misled. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So prayerfully seek the relationships that you open your heart to. And then allow them to speak the truth in love to you. And allow them to influence you so that you could become the person that God wants you to be. Here is Timothy. And Timothy has sort of caught the, the spirit of the Apostle Paul, if I could say it that way. He's caught his attitude and outlook. In 1 Corinthians fourteen seventeen, it reads, For this reason I'm sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of the way of life in Christ Jesus which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus. Timothy knew Paul, and he could 
handle situations the way Paul would and express situations the way Paul would. Our church, we're an Assembly of God church. And so we have rangers and missionettes and other programs like that. Imagine someone coming in and saying, you know, I don't like the ranger program. I don't like the missionette program. And they're teaching in rangers and missionettes. And they said, I'm going to do something different. That doesn't make sense, does it? Does it? Now, if you're in a business, a corporation or a business, you reflect the mission of that corporation, the mission of that business. Now, someone in the Bible study group says, listen, you know, I, I think we have too much Bible study in here. We need to have just more fellowship. So I'm just going to bring food, and for an hour and a half, two hours, we're just going to eat. Well, that's not what the Bible studies are for. You know, it might be nice to have a great time of fellowship, uh, depending on what type of food you're bringing. But, you know, but you want to follow the mission, the purpose. There has to be a submissiveness. Timothy was a submissive servant. He was saying, I want to be influenced. I want to be shaped. Where did he learn this? He learned it from Paul. Paul considered himself a slave, a servant, a doulos. Where did Paul learn it from? He learned it from Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, 7 to 8, it says, But made himself nothing, speaking of Christ, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Submission. Submitting to God Submitting to one another. Submitting so that God can work in and through our life. Through the spiritual leadership and through men and women of God that he puts in our path. But it doesn't stop there. It continues to go on. There was a selflessness about Timothy. Not only a submissiveness, but a selflessness. He was a selfless servant. In verse 20 and 21, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. What a commentary on those people in Rome and people that Paul was talking about. Because he was referring to other gospel ministers. He was referring to other preachers and teachers who were there. He says, they're all out for themselves and... Christ, well, he's not first for them. That's not so with Timothy. That's not so with Timothy. You know, we can become so self-centered. We live in a time where we have iPods and iPhones and iTunes. It's I, 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 I. You know, we're we're I-centered. Even our prayers to God can be self-centered when we're praying for others. This One young lady, unmarried young lady, she was praying. She said, oh, Lord, please bless my mother with a son-in-law. You know, our prayer sometimes can be just so self-centered. Ruth Calkin writes, I wonder, and she says this, you know, Lord, how I serve you with great emotional fervor in the limelight. You know how I eagerly speak for you At the women's club, you know how I am expressive when I promote our fellowship group. You know how I'm enthusiastic at our Bible study. 
But how would I react, I wonder, if you pointed to a basin of water and asked me to wash the calloused feet of a bent and wrinkled old woman, day after day, month after month, in a room where nobody saw and nobody knew. Selflessness is a sign of maturity. We're moving away from selfishness to selflessness as we grow in Christ. We're moving away from the self-centered life to the Christ-centered life. That's what Paul is calling the church at Philippi 2. That's what he says Timothy does. Timothy goes into a situation and he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about others. He's not thinking about his own particular feelings, his own particular agenda, his own particular wants. He's thinking about the needs of others in marriages and in churches and in businesses. We need to have that type of attitude. Unsaved people become slaves to themselves, to selfish desires, and so do Christians. So do Christians. Timothy was not cut from that cloth. He acquired a concern for others. I read about Eleanor Chestnut, a missionary in China many years ago. She was a doctor, and there in the hospital, a young man came in. He was a stranger to that community, and he needed a skin graft. And there was no one there to give skin to donate it and so the next day when the other doctors came and the nurses came in they saw the surgery had been performed and this young man had the skin graft and they noticed that the doctor was walking around with a limp and they said why did she do that she didn't even know him he was a door wide open to witness about Christ and then during the boxer rebellion as they were being led out into captivity. She saw a young boy on the side of the road. He was bleeding and wounded and hurt, and she went off to the side, and she bound those wounds, and she ministered to that young boy. And those soldiers grabbed her, put her back in the line, and in two hours they executed her. But for over 50 years, they never stopped talking about this woman that reflected the attitude of Jesus Christ. There needs to be a selflessness in our marriages, in our families, and in our church. I heard a preacher say that one day a, a visitor had come to the church. And so the visitor was dressed, he was with his wife, and he came up to the pastor. And I guess the pastor was having a bad day that day, I don't know. But he came up to the pastor, and the visitor said... I'm just checking out your church. I want to see what you have to offer here. What type of programs you might have that I might be interested in. So the preacher was in a bad mood, I guess. So he said to him, well, let me ask you a question. He said, okay, pastor. He said, tell me, what do you have to offer this church? (laughs) Oftentimes, it's all about us. Instead of being about Jesus Christ, we have this market-driven mentality that where to get gimme, gimme, gimme. 
Life is about what you give, not about what you get. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful truth taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. And as trying times enter into your life, it's important to continually keep this at the forefront of your thoughts. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio 1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.